When I find myself in new writer circles talking to writers that I haven't really had conversation with before, I often find myself tripping up over what it is that I am writing, trying to define it, but I think I've narrowed it down. I think that what I'm doing is writing upmarket dystopia. I'll share a bit more about that in a second. I am Alana, and this is Racing Home, the podcast where I unpack the journey of writing the first book in a series about the end of the world. Welcome. Okay, so listen. First off, I just need to give a little shout out to all you crazy, rich, big capital businesses who are looking to help sweet little boutique businesses by advertising on the podcast. Because let me tell you this, I can provide the social proof that I am now officially an influencer. So a listener reached out and told me that because I talked about Scribner, which is a program designed for writers to help you organize your thoughts, you can actually do your writing within the program, create chapters and scenes and character profiles and you can have a bulletin board of your thoughts you can keep your research notes right with your writing brilliant i recommend it i'd recommend it every single day so i talked about it a listener bought it and i got nothing out of it (laughs) except you know the bragging rights. So if anyone knows how to leverage that and, you know, get in touch with brands and just be like, hey, I can do it. One person bought something because I said I believed in it. Let me know because, I mean, we're just getting started here. I facilitated a writing event at my local library on Saturday, the 24th of February. So the library is open on Saturdays until 2 p.m. So what we did was lock the doors at 2 and I facilitated this time with writers who had signed up beforehand. We just shared table space and hung out together for three hours. Now the vision for this is really based on my 12-hour intensive where it's just quiet writing time in community, which I mean, if you've been... If you've listened to any of these podcasts, you know that I'm an extreme advocate for writing in community. It doesn't have to be full of conversation. It doesn't have to be really formatted in any strict structure. It's really just about sharing space, finding inspiration in the busyness of others, just watching, hearing being in the vicinity of someone who is getting their words down. That's really inspiring to me. And I know from feedback, it's been inspiring for others. So the library thing is based on that idea. However, we're getting people coming out that are not familiar with the 12 hour intensive and they really, they just see, oh, it's a writer's gathering. They're not sure what the expectation is. Uh, what their responsibility is at it. And so this time we just had a beautiful group of people. There was only one person who's come to one of my events before. So that was really neat to meet some new people, learn about new projects. But there was about an hour at the beginning 
where we're just chatting, we're talking, we're unpacking what what is everyone doing? What are you working on? What you, what's exciting you right now? And what are your goals? What do you want in this world of writing? And I love that. It's just such great conversation and it's so fascinating because people are at multiple stages. There were a lot of people who were retired and were able to dedicate a lot more time to their writing, which is very exciting. I'm always a little bit jealous of those people. And then there was a, a young mom. There were other people who are still holding down jobs, but are hoping to explore writing, to step in. So various stages, so fascinating. So of course we go around the circle and everyone shares what they're working on. And it, when it comes to my turn, instead of humming and hawing and Often I feel like I haven't been really secure in sharing what I'm writing because I maybe didn't quite have my finger on the pulse of it or a firm understanding of who is my market, who is my reader, what am I writing, what is the path that takes us home. But I got it, let me tell you. And the moment I said it out loud, it was like this incredible weight was lifted off my shoulder because I knew that from this point forward, I'm going to be able to confidently say, Hey, I'm Alana. I am writing upmarket dystopia. It is a series and I'm super excited about it. Now, of course, not everyone knows these words. What is upmarket? What is dystopia? Upmarket is literary fiction where that's where my heart wants to be. That is what naturally comes out of me. When it comes down to it, I really do have the heart of a poet bouncing between angst and just romantic views of the worlds and beautiful descriptions and introspective prose. I am also writing this dystopian story. So I'm a few years in the future. All hell is broken loose. How is humanity navigating this new reality? So let me read you this definition of upmarket fiction just to help unpack that for you just a little bit. Upmarket fiction represents a sweet spot between commercial and literary novels. It is characterized by a strong page-turning plot and an elevated degree of sophistication or complexity in terms of language, character, and themes. That definition is taken from the Darling Axe at darlingaxe.com. So I get to hang out in that the beautiful language and descriptions, and I don't have to change my natural style, my voice to fit genre or or just to make it commercial. There's this relatively new term of upmarket fiction that that creates a spot for beautiful language and a strong plot. So the plot part is very new for me and rather uncomfortable. And I think I did talk about that a bit last week, kind of learning how to make it my own, not fit into a plot structure, but also knowing that in some ways, I need to satisfy the reader with expected beats. So I'm still working through that. Having a firm understanding of, okay, now I know I can tell people what it is that I'm writing because it's rather 
broad to say, well, I'm writing about the end of the world, which is true, but I'm writing about so, so much more than that. I'm writing about the human condition and about grief and about spirituality and about the beauty in the world, how you don't know what you've got until it's gone. And all these things, all these big feelings packed into this big event, packed into this big series, but with a little poetry sprinkled in there. So maybe all that did was make you more confused about what I'm doing, but this is where I'm at. And I'd like to bring you along right where I am. So even though I had this writing event at the library, I didn't get a lot of writing done because so much conversation was happening. It was so rich, so good and wonderful to make connections with local writers. And every time I do one of these events, I find myself becoming more and more comfortable as the expert in the room. And I feel I said I was comfortable, but I feel uncomfortable calling myself that. But in many ways, this is the position I'm carving out for myself. So I am embracing it and leaning in and presenting myself in those spaces as not someone with all the answers, but with someone who's open to the conversation and talking through problems and exploring ways that different authors, different writers can be served at their varying stages of the writing journey. And that's just, it's so exciting for me. It lights me up so much. And if you are local-ish, if you're in driving distance of Durham, Ontario, the small town, not the county, like part of the GTA, I am like two and a half hours north of Toronto. But if you are local, we are doing this every other month. So if you check out the events page on chickenheadspress.ca, I'm trying really hard to keep that well up to date with all those upcoming events. So the library has been a great partner and they've been really open to my ideas and brainstorming. And uh, we're talking about a big author day in October that we're, we're starting to put that together. So it's going to look like a big guest author, keynote speaker, local book tables for local authors to showcase their work, a literary themed dinner, which I'm so excited about. That'll be super fun. And panel discussions with local authors. So things like that, we're talking about some kind of an arts or literary festival so excited about what this this new relationship will yield if we continue to nurture it and part of showing the value in this things is for people to show up at these events so if you want to come to a library write in with me be sure to check out that events page sign up for my newsletter you can do that. There's lots of spots on the website where you can do that. And I'll um, I'll include a link in the show notes as well so that you can sign up for that newsletter and stay in the loop about all those amazing things. So my manuscript is sitting at 81,594 words. Not a lot of progress from last time. I think that I, I put a lot of thought and effort into a lot of the background information that informs me as I tell the story, but isn't necessarily important to the reader or the audience. So I spent actually a lot of time building the roster 
for a music festival that plays a role in book one. So, <laughs> so I was on um, a name generator website where you could generate band names. So I was looking for indie band names. And I mean, some of the stuff it spit out was just awful, but some were really fun. And I saw my combined and tweaked. And so, so little projects like that, that tap into a different edge of creativity are really fun. I also booked out a full comedy tour for one of my characters so that I knew what dates she was going to be in New York and Chicago and LA and Toronto and what theater she's performing at and what time is the show. I don't know if any of that is going to make it into the book, but it just breathes life into the characters in a way that just saying, oh, Bonnie has a show in Chicago. What does that even mean? Like I, I need all the meat behind it. And I think part of my marketing strategy is actually going to be putting up a poster of this comedy tour or creating marketing for this fictional music festival just because it's so fun. And I mean, if things blew up and it got huge and what if someone adopted that idea and decided to put on this festival? Oh my goodness, how amazing would that be? Would you go to a festival called Apocastock? The whole idea is like, you're celebrating your last couple days on earth. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's really a marketable idea. But anyways, it's been really fun to play play in that space. Because sometimes if words aren't coming, diving into background stuff can be really fun and really motivating. So that's what's up. I do just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. I've said this before, but I really have no idea who's listening and anytime someone like stops me in passing and they're like hey I was listening to your podcast while I did the dishes that's really encouraging and I just had a meeting with someone from BC he'd booked he booked a call through my website just a meet and greet and he kind of led with well I've been listening to your podcast and that's so flattering and encouraging because it's showing me that this is another vehicle to reach people. This podcast, the Racing Home series, is really developed in order to keep myself accountable, to, to get this manuscript done, to keep me writing and focused. But it is also a way for the community, the, the world, to get to know me on a more personal level and see who the person is, who the creative is behind the business. So Chicken House Press takes up so much of my time and I am so in love with the work I'm doing and feel so honored that I've been able to carve this space for myself and that I'm able to just pour my heart into other creatives and writers and helping them see their dreams come to fruition. That's so powerful. And if this is one more way for anyone to feel a little bit closer to me or feel safer about reaching out and testing the waters and seeing if they could maybe we've if we could maybe work together on a book or on an idea I have a mentorship program like there's there's just so many opportunities I'm just so pleased to know that in some small way it's breaking through and if it's just five people 
And three of them are encouraged to dive into their own work, then really it's worth it because I'm motivating myself in the process. So there is no loss here, but I mean, come on, Scrivener, like let's, let's make a deal or something. Eh? Obviously this is not sponsored. I don't think I have the stats yet to be actually seeking out any kind of sponsorship or advertisers, but I will say Scrivener's worth it. And I don't need to get paid to tell you that it's a powerful tool. And especially if you're writing longer fiction, highly recommend. Let's, let's end with a tiny little scene from Apocastock. Tonight, Pocket Rochelle would push her voice into the sky. Tonight, Maxime would die a little more as her body absorbed that sound without Bonnie keeping her warm at her side. Tonight, Maxime would watch her girl crush crush it as her own heart became pulp within her chest. She knew nothing of Rochelle except that her haunting eyes and gravelly voice moved her. Even that song about grocery stores. She was stirred by the slight French accent. The year before, Bonnie had dressed as Rochelle for Halloween, covering her blonde hair with a dark wig and donning a loose men's shirt over skinny jeans and boots. It was hot. Hit with another wave of sorrow, Maxine pulled herself up from the grass and followed a sign that said forest bathing. It was stupid of her to come. This was supposed to be their thing, their little getaway before Bonnie left on tour. A pocketstock was meant to be the levity before the storm, the joke they could share together. The path she followed opened into a clearing in a circle of trees and people were sitting cross-legged throughout the space while a woman in a white dress played a little strange harp and a man beside her played a recorder. Not a flute, a recorder like she remembered learning in fourth grade music class. The two together created a haunting melody that wrapped itself around her throat. Someone handed her a small square of carpet and leaned in very close to whisper in her ear, Choose a spot for your bath. Embrace the silence of the people so you can absorb the conversation of the trees. This is the most intimate moment you're going to experience on these grounds. Let it take you where you need to go. Let yourself be loved. Maxine found a spot near a small cusp of delicate white flowers and assumed the lotus position on her carpet. It was just large enough to protect her bottom from the damp ground. Her knees stuck over the edge. She looked around at all the faces and saw joy. Faces were turned upwards to catch rays of morning sun that were beginning to peek through the canopy of trees like heaven holes. She watched the strange musicians and felt their unfamiliar melody move from her throat to her chest. She closed her eyes, spilling tears as she did so, finding the rustle of leaves and the call of a distant bird like a balm to her spirit. She heard water too, but wasn't sure if it was an estuary passing by or the rush of her own sorrow bubbling over her edges. She wept silently, but it rocked her whole body. Time passed and she found herself in a cave of warmth as bodies surrounded her embraced her in a platonic humanity that created a womb of refuge. No words were spoken, just bodies together, binding a healing in tune with Mother Nature. She sat, she accepted, she cried, she absorbed, she bathed. Chin up, bright eyes. We'll talk again next week. Racing Home. Racing Home is a Chicken House Press production. Theme music by Alex Grohl and Alana Rusnak.
If you would like to support my writing journey with a small financial donation, you may do so by visiting bio.site slash Alana Rusnak. That link is available in the show notes. You can make a donation of any size of your choosing and it will go towards funding the production of this book. Writing takes a lot of time, a lot of energy. It requires a lot of coffee and chocolate. So if you want to help out, that's one way you can do it. Donations over $50 will be automatically signed up to receive a signed copy of When the Trees All Burn at least one week before official launch.